Hey. Hi. I'm Alex. I'm Val. And we are going to talk about Sopranos. We are. Season 6A, episode 2, Join the Club. We're back from our break, getting back and adjusted into Soprano world. Mm-hmm. And it uh, begins a really what, kind of one of my favorite parts of the whole show, this whole Kevin yeah, Finnerty. me too. Sideline. It's, it's really amazing. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I know. I'm a big fan of these first two episodes back to back, actually, as well. Yeah, I mean, in terms of form, it's really fascinating to think about having this huge break, coming back to season six, starting off with Tony being shot in the first episode is such an unexpected mm-hmm. twist to happen so early. I can't, even since The Sopranos, with the way that they revolutionized TV and arcs throughout seasons i can't really think of many shows that have done something like that if any i can't think of anything so bold and then to take that and then immediately go into this kind of surrealist place that's mixed with the immediate kind of family reaction in the hospital is really cool yeah unexpected daring ambitious commenting on all the themes that they've been building interesting to bring it into the kind of tail end of the show in general i think introduces some larger questions of who tony soprano really is yeah it's a way to kind of investigate his psyche but outside of dream logic outside of psychology in this kind of near death place that they've looked at before with christopher and, and others mm-hmm. but i just love it i think it's great me too. Yeah, it really is this kind of like, yeah, like you said, this kind of um, investigation into who Tony is. And maybe like, I, you know, by the end of this episode, like someone he's choosing to be at that point too. Mm. Like, I mean, we'll talk about, right. we'll talk about Kevin Finnerty, but like, you know, we, he makes a choice at the end of this episode to not pick up the phone to right. call his family. Right. A lack of connection, a lack yeah. of human connection. Yeah, and instead, and he is kind instead, of isolated. He is instead, kind of looks to this beacon, right? Um, Contemplating whatever that is. Yeah. So I don't know. Anyways, I just think it's like a terrific episode. Mm-hmm. I didn't even really realize it was a controversial episode because mm. I like it so much. <laughs> but if it's... if you don't like it. Well, I think... Email us and let us know why. (laughs) Well, I think also a lot of controversy happened at the time that the show was coming out because it was so unexpected. I think it's one of these things that has aged well, Mm. whereas a lot of shows age poorly. Mm. I think it's probably remembered better than it was maybe received in the moment Mm. because people don't know what to make of something like that. Mm. And I can totally understand that. Um, But I I just, I really do love this world that they create around Mm -hmm. Kevin Finnerty. And I like the way that Kevin Finnerty is somewhat of a doppelganger to Tony. They have this similar composure. He's kind of introduced by as this character who is next to him at the bar, similar size, also they, they ordered order a the grouper same, sandwich. They order the same food. Uh, he's to the point where he's actually mistaken by the monks. And Kevin Finnerty, yeah, there's just there's all these kind of like commonalities between them that make us wonder, especially in lieu of the diagnosis of Alzheimer's is Kim Finnerty even a different person? And the question that I ask too is, as we go through this kind of exploration of this world, uh, Tony Anthony Soprano right. talks about I, how he was a patio furniture salesman and has moved into defense and talks about this with this group at the bar. And so for me, 
in reference to the way that Tony has always talked about, well, I could have been a patio furniture salesman or I wanted mm-hmm. to be a patio furniture salesman or what if I was a patio furniture salesman? There's also this doppelganger of the two Tonys of, well, what if he was not who he is? Right. Now, well, that's who what I've come to know. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, is the Anthony Soprano in those scenes our Anthony Soprano? Well, yes and no for me. Yeah. He is. For me, he is. But he's. there's also this kind of what if question. There's this idea of what if he wasn't in the mob? Who would he be? But it's just, yeah, but it is this interesting choice, right? Like, it's almost like there's these multi-layers, right? So it's like Tony Soprano's coma, right? Our Tony Soprano's coma, where he's a different Anthony Soprano mm-hmm. who then has to take on the identity of someone entirely different. Right. Right? Like, and so there's kind of these, like, three layers. There's a lot of layers, yeah. There's, I mean, there's a lot of layers. But it's just, like, it's an interesting, like, like, it's just an, there's, it's a very purposeful choice, obviously, Mm -hmm. to make it that way. And so, like, who is that, like, intermediary Anthony Soprano? Well, that's In in between our Tony Soprano and Kevin Finnerty. Yeah. Like, who is that guy? Right. Um, and does he become Kevin Finnerty by the end? Because maybe does the three become two? Because there is a kind of an evolution of dream or death world Anthony Soprano. Because for mm-hmm. me, he starts off as this kind of idealized character. He's proper. He's going to this defense convention. He's he, calling he, his he wife. He doesn't have an accent. He's, I, I yeah, love hearing James Gandolfini. He's more proper. Yeah. But he's uh, he's calling his family. He has this, you know, kind of like jokey his kids are all talking in unison and he laughs because it's funny. He starts off, that's a very different person than who Tony Soprano mm-hmm. is. But what's amazing is that even though not that much time actually happens in that world in this episode, I always kind of recall it being more than it actually is. Well, when it's I go kind back of nebulous. It. Like there's day and there's night and there's... You, but you I just mean, if you were of... actually to add up the screen time, it's oh, not as much yeah. as you might think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's really interesting I is... I thought it was more also. I realized always. this stuff. I yeah. always think that. Yeah, and... The thing that I love is that even in that small amount of time throughout the course of this episode, there's an evolution of that character, of Anthony Soprano. Because he starts off as this kind of leave-it-to-beaver dad kind of type. And then there's these this evolution of steps where he kind of becomes a worse and worse person. Where it's interesting because that kind of connects him to the Anthony Soprano that we know. He's with this woman. They're kind of making out. Mm-hmm. She actually says, like, she recognized that he wouldn't do something, mm-hmm. I guess, but that's coming from her. It seems like he actually would in this yeah. moment. Yeah. Then he then like he commits on, fraud. He yeah. commits fraud. He pays on the card. That's an interesting scene because he's kind of being judged by Morgan, this guy at the Omni Hotel, this guy who kind of seems to be aware in a way, or maybe that's just us reading too much into it. But I think that there is an intention of creating a character behind the counter who is aware that he is act like transgress he's passing this threshold of negative action Mm. and he's kind of judging him and as soon as he does put down that card of kevin finnerty's and commit fraud those monks kind of just appear so there's something there i think for me of that tony soprano kind of devolving and being judged for it and then um as yeah as we as we continue you know i'm kind of left with the question well who is this Anthony Soprano? And if he is an alternate to the Anthony Soprano that we know, is he really a good guy? Because he's pretty quickly devolving into a lot mm-hmm. of the same actions that the Tony mm-hmm. Soprano that we know 
has, gets involved in. Gets involved in. So even if he had been a patio furniture salesman and he had been more proper and he had a different accent and a different family, would he be a good person? Because I think this this show is constantly concerned with, is Tony Soprano a good person? Mm -hmm. Are these people good people? And I think you have to kind of ask yourself the question, well, maybe not. Maybe there's something there beyond just the tie and the magnetism of the mob family. Because that's kind of the easy excuse for himself. And it's true. He was born into this family. But I think there's maybe more than that. There's something there that is him. That is an issue. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, yeah, it, it's a hard, it's a hard question. I think like there also is, there's kind of like multiple acts within that storyline mm-hmm. as well. And I think like that, that moment where he uses the credit card does definitely mark like a, a shift. Yeah. But then there's another shift when he falls down the stairs. Right. And ends up in the hospital. Yeah. Um, as, Kevin Finnerty slash our other yeah. Tony Soprano when when our Tony Soprano our own Tony Soprano is in the hospital. It's almost like its own little three act. Yeah, there, there's <laughs> just yeah, there's just these because there's these shifts during those those times. Like before he, um, before that happens, he's still a little bit worried about it being fraud, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's on the phone with his right. wife. He's like, it's fraud and whatever. And but then by the time he's in the hospital, he's like. Oh well, you used his insurance card. Right. Like, what do you think about that? Yeah. Like he's just kind of like. Right. What <laughs> you know? It. Yeah. Um. So it's interesting. I think, like, the big question for me about that world or about that, like, in that you know mm-hmm. internal state of Tony or whatever it might be, um, is kind of the question that is said a few times in the in the episode which is like who am i and where am i going so like who are these characters and what's their kind of like ultimate destination right um also i guess where are we right so maybe we'll talk about where this takes place Mm -hmm. too but um but i think mesa well yeah (laughs) yeah oh right oh oh that's easy yeah (laughs) takes place in costa mesa yeah by the light beacon yeah Duh. Oh, obviously, um, you know, because there's there's multiple references to this kind of being a strange place, obviously, right? So even like his wife saying to him, "You're off in your own little world." Mm-hmm. Um, that he never wanted to go to this conference. He kind of just like ended up here mm-hmm. in some ways too, right? Like we we see that Tony Soprano, that Anthony Soprano, as he calls himself waking up on a bed it's a similar angle to the you know well we see tony when he gets shot from directly above but we also see we open this this episode with also a shot from directly above right with him lying on the bed on his own on his own yeah yeah um you know there's some funny lines like when he's at the bar um you know he's saying what's it like here in cosa yeah mesa and the bartender says, round here, it's dead. Right. And I think, like, definitely a read of this episode, <laughs> right, yeah. is that... I whole not... internet forums dedicated to that line. Is there? Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think so. I, or are there, rather? <laughs> um, I, like, I think it's, like, I think you can definitely read it. I think you can definitely read this episode as some kind of, like, purgatory, hell. Mm-hmm. 
um, type Probably of environment. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, like it's it's unlikely that it is. Um, but but it is also kind of like I don't know, like his grappling with the afterlife is kind of like just like being able to see some possibilities. I think right. So like throughout the episode, like. We have religious films being, weird religious films mm-hmm. being shown. We have those Buddhist Are monks. sin, disease, and death real? Yeah. Was... <laughs> and then this image of the cross. Yeah. Um, you know, we have characters in the real world. Like, we don't have them referencing religion all that much. But, of course, we have, like, Carmela with her, you know, crucifix Reverence... necklace very Well, and also referencing shown. the pilot episode where she tells Tony that he's going to go yeah. to hell. So dealing with that. And also for her rationalizing that he won't go to hell because he cares about his friends and is a good father. Yeah. And yet we have to kind of question, well, (laughs) does he really care about his friends? Do his friends really care about him based on the actions in this episode? And is he really a good father? Because AJ is a disaster in this episode and debatably Meadow too. Yeah. Depending on who you talk to. We'll talk about that maybe (laughs) in a bit. We'll talk to Val about that. Um, Do two things. Yeah. Well, let's go to real Tony after, if that's okay. That's great. Um, cause the other, the other line that for me was pretty important in this episode or not even the line, it's kind of just like, like the outcome after he falls down the stairs, right? So we have him, you know, stairs with fire at the top of yeah. them as we see in that, um, in that picture. And, yeah. and, you know, it's, it's interesting when you think about like, you know, like descent, right? Like he's going down the stairs, he's falling down the stairs, um, you know, if you think about like Dante's Inferno or something yeah. like that, where there's these like layers of hell or death or whatever yeah. it might be, right? Like he's actually when he does fall down, he is kind of like going down. He's going yeah. deeper, right? Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah. But but the fact that there's this like kind of like threat of Alzheimer's at the end, and him saying, I'm not going to know myself soon, and then saying, like, I'm lost. I think that's actually the mm-hmm. last line we hear that Tony Soprano slash Kevin Finnerty say. Because yeah. then the last scene we have with him is silent. We don't have him say anything. Right. Um, well, and we also have, like, the contemplation of connecting with his family and choosing not to. So right. choosing but that, not to But that's to speak. all silent, right? Right. So no, like, exactly. Yeah. But choosing silence. Yeah. Like making that conscious choice yeah. to be alone and to contemplate rather than to talk to these people yeah. around him. But I think it, it's like, I'm not going to know myself soon. I'm lost. Um, this like kind of like, I don't know, Alzheimer's as some kind of like escape from needing to figure yourself out, right? Like I think like... Mm. You know, like he doesn't, if he's not going to know himself soon, then like, why is he going to bother trying to figure out who Kevin Finnerty is right. slash who he is yeah. slash get out of this kind yeah. of like this place he's in, right? Like, it's kind of just like, anyways, I don't know. I still yeah. have to kind of think through a little more. But um, yeah, the other part that's like there's a repeating symbol, right, of, these lights and what sounds like a helicopter mm-hmm. right like and so like we can think like it kind of reminds us of you know when christopher was was shot right like he kind of had those glimmers of light throughout mm-hmm. his his dreams but it also like they're also looking for someone right like like that's what uh the female character what's her name which female character the one who he meets at the 
bar. Oh, female character at bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's like, they're looking for a perp. Mm-hmm. And, you know, anyways, I just think, yeah. like, they're looking for someone. Right. right. And so, like, you could say, like, maybe, like, if someone actually were, like, in a coma state, right, like, that they might be seeing or hearing some of the things that are going on outside, right. which might sound like machines mm. and have lights flashing on you. But Right. Um, so I think, like, yeah, it's just these kind of, like, glimpses or glimmers to the outside. Right. But we also know that he's not, like, there's this, like, they're, like, you know, there's a couple references to, like, talk to him, he can hear you or whatever, and then also, like, play him some of his favorite music. Mm-hmm. And we know that our Kevin Finnerty, Anthony Soprano, isn't hearing the music. Right. Right? We never see, like, anything no. kind of, like, connecting those. connect between them. So. Yeah. It's interesting to see the people around Tony and his family responding to this tragedy for them because I think it's kind of a window into who these other people are also. I think Carmela probably shows the most empathy and kind of like true searching from from things because I feel like a lot of the other characters are rather self-absorbed throughout everything and that people are not really responding in a way that shows that they care that much about Tony and I think that it's indicative of this entire world of the Sopranos of kind of a culture of selfishness and being self-absorbed. Um, Janice kind of bursting into the room, seeking attention, even Meadow. And I think you'll love this, you know, but her, like her comments to the doctor about kind of like, or even Carmela's comments to, to the doctor in this moment of her husband dying, basically in a coma, making him know that she went to, you know, intern at an ICU and Meadows saying, or law, I'm contemplating law. Like there's just this kind of like unnecessary bringing back of attention to oneself Mm -hmm. that happens a lot for a lot of characters. Mm -hmm. It's also like Vito on the sports book and Roseville, 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 I think my Jersey town pronunciation isn't great, but, um, still actually explicitly says not about yourself. Like don't make this about yourself, which I think is something that kind of, ties together these characters because obviously the main character that we're dealing with that for in this episode is AJ who is clearly not engaging with the family not helping out doing his own thing and then kind of evolves to this place where you know we see him and Carmela actually thinks that he is engaging in a kind of beneficial way with his dad but he's actually contradicting himself from just before talking about hybrid cars talking about how he wants a Mustang and just talking about something that he wants with his dad in a coma. So there's no connection there to what Tony is going through. It's all about AJ and these material things and what he wants. And then even when he comes out and his mom is impressed by that connection that they supposedly had, he flips that around and turns it into a way of best presenting this information that he knows is harmful to himself because he knows that he can't get in as much trouble for it Mm. because... He's flunked out, but it's not a time to deal with it. And also, he's kind of gained some brownie points from dealing with this. Mm. So, I just feel like there's a lot of characters that are self-absorbed. And there's a bit of a facade. There's a bit of kind of just this like shallow veneer of caring about Tony. Yeah, but at the same time, like I'm not like on Team AJ or anything like that. But he's the only, like everyone's like... You know, Carmela says to him, like, that means so much to your father, 
right? Like, and he's like, who knows what it means? Right. Right? Like, he's not saying anything. Like, I feel like AJ... Right. AJ's kind of like... He's dealing... Like, we know that AJ has a different way of dealing with things, right? He, we almost get him to talk about his philosophy class, but he gets right. cut off. Um, but he has a different way of looking at the world than other characters do. Yeah. And it's kind of like a... I mean, it's definitely more nihilistic. It's more like, you know, who cares? Yeah. Um... But, but it, he but he also has this this like very deep emotional moment where he's like I'm going to kill Junior. Right. Well, I think that's kind of where his evolution leads him to, but I think that's interesting because that's bringing him more to who his father is. Mm-hmm. This kind of like petty revenge and this murderous well, is it instinct. petty or like would Tony think it was petty? Probably not. Tony would like, not want AJ to be murdering no, Junior Tony on would, his behalf. No, Tony would Tony would not want AJ to be murdering Junior, but like Nor could he. But AJ, even though he's not really capable of being a part of that world, he is being pushed into it by his failures outside of it. What do you mean? Well, AJ isn't really functioning in the real world. Mm-hmm. He's not functioning in university. He wasn't right. functioning in any work environment. He can't really do anything. And so through the nature of that and the nature of who his dad is and the fact that he's just been shot, it's actually pushing AJ into kind of a, a role of crime. Mm. and a role of violence, which is what his dad always didn't want for him. And AJ wouldn't be able to fully engage in that world in the way his dad does because he doesn't have the temperament or the background to do it. But it's ironic that it's still bringing him there. Mm-hmm. And it's actually scary because he wouldn't be able to... If I, the, the thought of AJ actually acting on that impulse clearly would not lead anywhere that is 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 good. No. I just think, like, it's in some ways, like, closest to what Tony would want people to react. I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think Tony would want revenge on him for for Junior. I mean, I think Junior is going senile. You think? I mean, he is. Yeah. But I think think that Tony can, to some degree, recognize that. I don't think that he would want revenge on somebody who's going senile. I actually don't think that that plays into his code. But I think that's the interesting, like that's the interesting part with the Alzheimer's thing at the end of the ep- of the episode with Kevin Finnerty in the hospital, is like there is this like you don't have to like I forget how he puts it, um, like you Smurf around for something. He says something about Smurfs. You're right. a Smurf. I don't know. You're a Smurf. Um, <laughs> and. There is this, like, element where, like, Junior doesn't, like, Junior isn't responsible for the things. Junior doesn't have to, like, question himself and, like, who he is and why he does the things he's doing and where he's going. He's, like, lost that capability. Right. Um, Right. That's interesting. And I think Tony in some ways is kind of, like, jealous of that, right? Because, like, Tony does have to. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to. But Tony does grapple with these questions of who is he, where is he going, and... Join the club. Join the club, Yeah, that's what said to him, yeah. Um, And Junior's a character who doesn't have to do that. Right. You know? 
Um, I also think it's interesting that regardless of who Tony is, he's always dealing with that question. He's been dealing with that for the throughout the entire course of the show. Mm-hmm. And now we see this alternate Tony who's still dealing with it. Mm-hmm. He's talking to these people who say that they're impressed being around this guy who's grabbed brass rings 12 quarters in a row. And that's ultimately meaningless too because Tony responds by saying, where am I going? Mm-hmm. And that doesn't fulfill him either. So whether Tony mm-hmm. is in the mob or he has this alternate life. And he life, says, there's always a faster gun. Right. It's always a faster gun. So, I mean, Tony is constantly looking for meaning, as everybody is. Yeah. As Carmela is, as every character in the show and every person in life. Yeah. Ex- like I said, except kind of if you have, like Junior does, this right. like disconnect between, you know, like your body and kind of your actions even. Yeah. With any kind of like element of your identity. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. And then, I don't know. I think there's this thing also about, you know, like, whoever, Anthony, Kevin Finnerty, Tony, kind of, like, choosing these different identities, like, having this option of different identities that he can choose whenever he, whenever it kind of suits him, right? Like, he has this option to be Kevin Finnerty, and he takes it. Right. Um, mm, characters characters in real life don't have that option. Well, I mean, we all like I mean, show. You maybe we, you're we at show, a bar and you pick up the wrong briefcase. Yeah, <laughs> we show different pieces of our identities in different realms, right? And Tony definitely does this, right? Like Carmela even talks about that when she's talking to him, saying like, you know, you're a good, uh, you're a good father. You care about your friends, yeah. right? Like what we said earlier. Like she's trying to like, you know capture this one part of his identity or like skew this one part of his identity uh when it suits her um but like yeah but in this dream sequence like there are these options of having these kind of like distinct identities and i think that is something that tony does grapple with right like like who who he is as a person like is it closer to you know, like his mob family right. identity or his home family identity or whatever. Right. Or this, like, we we also get a flash into, you know, it's interesting that Carmela chooses this time when Tony's in a coma to talk about this very early part of their relationship where they go to somewhere with Artie and Charmaine. Mm-hmm. And she's talking about, like, Tony's hair and stuff like that. Like, so we see this, like, other, like, maybe pre-patio furniture salesman Tony um, at this kind of like carefree time. It was interesting too when they talk about Charmaine being thrown around by the waves and she's kind of laughing about it. There's another, it's kind of another example for me of like laughing at violence. It's kind of like Tony in in therapy laughing about the misfortune that he had from his parents. Yeah, but they talk about like they're like, she even has this line. She's like, that woman around water or whatever, yeah. which is like a very strange. Like she says a, a couple very, weird things. In that. She does, yeah. I she she does say some really weird things, <laughs> like you used to get me so hot down there. Thanks, David Chase, for writing that. Um, I was thinking I that was like, like something I was like I don't know like hot and down there hell I don't know I was trying. I don't to think like, it. I don't. I don't think that's what it was. Shoot. <laughs> Maybe it was. Yeah, that's what she was talking about, right? <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah. Deep symbolism. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, that was very strange. I, I can't quite... 
I can't quite imagine Carmela saying that. Right. Um, but we also see her kind of like, you know, in the shower, like this talk of water, um, like when she was talking about Charmaine in the water, and then we see her not that long after, like in the shower, mm-hmm. with water pouring over her. Yeah. Um, and we know, like, you know, any uh, high school or middle school level symbolism. Right. You know, can, <laughs> can think about fire and water and think about, you know, the religious right. aspects of water. Um, but I think, you know, we're just, I think this imagery is just kind of being like, thrown at us and I don't like I don't really think that it's like a puzzle necessarily to solve or like that there's any kind of answer to this episode but I think like what Chase is doing is like just throwing all this imagery at us and kind of letting us sit with it and see where our no, I, I really think like the point is never to solve a puzzle with David no. Chase or any director that creates these kind of abstract worlds. It's just not. No. It's just not the purpose, and it's very enticing to grab onto that, mm-hmm. and that's kind of like the human thing to do. But I think that's ultimately what David Chase is constantly playing with in this show. He's trying to hand you things, and I just want to thank him because had the last movie we watched was Inland Empire, and I used to think that this was a very cryptic series of episodes in Kevin Finnerty land, but it's pretty straightforward compared to that movie. <laughs> so thank you, David Chase, for not giving us rooms full of bunnies. Uh-huh. <laughs> bunny people. For sure. Polish bunny people. Um what else? What else? I just thought it was I was just gonna yeah, go I just ahead. had some yeah. Um just to you know continue yep. with my symbolism of hell. Yeah. Um, there's, of course, the Costa Mesa uh, fire in the TV. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as well as the fire, like I mentioned, on the sign for the stairwell when, he's, right. when he takes the stairwell down. Um, I thought it was kind of funny when he gets like what looks like heartburn before he sees the lights or the helicopters. Mm. You know? Interesting. Burning fire. Yeah. Um, also, just the lights throughout the, the episode. Lights. The light of the beacon, these blinding lights yeah. that come through. Focus come of light coming through also. windows. Um, well, we have more time to come back to the beacon in yeah. future episodes. That's true. Um, there's also kind of this like nebulous like laughter in the background sometimes. Like when mm. he's at the bar, there's often this kind of like laughing going on. Hmm. Um, uh, kind of cackling. Like it's like it's it's interesting. Um, interesting laughter we have the like the omni hotel right so he's at these two different hotels mm-hmm. that's another part of it too that's like he he leaves this one hotel and checks out but then he wants to get back in and he can't right right um so i that's why i feel like it is this kind of like descent right like it's right. kind of like um this downwards trajectory but th- this hotel where he has this morgan at the desk yeah. that we are talking about is the omni hotel yeah um, and I just, I don't know, I just feel like it's, you know, like there's ties to, um, like om- omnipresence and stuff right. like that, right? Like it's kind of this like oversee, oh, like all seeing, uh, yeah, yeah, like all seeing thing, um, where things are like kind of clear, I guess. Um, there was one other. Oh, yeah, you used to get me so hot down there. Underlined <laughs> hot. Um, it's an important yeah. part of the episode. 
Um, and then, yeah, but then, like, the... There's also, like, the light, like, lights shining on different things, like you mentioned. And the one that I think is really interesting is the light over the phone at the end. Mm. And we've talked about phones before. All the time. All the time. Black phones in particular. Especially black phones. And... I thought that was really interesting and like again think to think about the beacon right to, like to think about like what it means to kind of like shed light on it and same with those helicopter lights right like the lights that are kind of like um like spotlighting yeah things um that there's you know and the rest of the room is kind of dark around it right mm-hmm. so it's kind of like it's highlighting this thing that could bring you you know, bring you out of the place where mm-hmm. you are, right? Like connecting with his family could like bring him out of this kind mm-hmm. of dark place of just having fallen down the stairs and, you know, discover that he might have Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. right? But it won't. That beacon that's like way far beyond yeah. the hotel. I guess he sees it from both hotel rooms, right? Yeah. It seems to be seen everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he sees it from anywhere but his hotel room windows, but... Yeah. And I mean, that light, I mean, it, it is expanded in, in future episodes that are just about to come up, but there is kind of that aspect of going towards the light, too. That's reflected in him looking up and seeing these lights, these helicopter spotlights, mm-hmm. the beacon light, looking forward and actually it being somewhat of a portal to the mm-hmm. actual world of seeing mm-hmm. the doctor through it. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you have more on that? I just wanted to say them before I moved on to anything else. Yeah. I just thought the the other characters were were really interesting, like the relationship to Tony and even the relationship to death around Eugene in this episode, which is right. such a footnote, even though Tony We is, like we basically forgot that last episode Eugene died. We basically then, forget right? it's basically irrelevant and yeah. it's basically irrelevant for these characters. They don't really care that much. Mm-hmm. And they're there in the background talking about themselves business yeah and Tony and that's kind of what I was trying to get at before is this idea of all these characters just acting in their own interests talking about themselves and being uninterested in Mm -hmm. the misfortunes of others so it was interesting too still saying maybe he was suffering from an inoperable cancer or something regarding Eugene Mm -hmm. and in some ways he was but the inoperable cancer is just his relationship to the mob it's Tony yeah or just this lifestyle or that family that he couldn't escape from mm-hmm. because that was this cancer that he couldn't yeah separate sure. himself yeah. from also just the jockeying of all the characters like chris stealing polly's idea for mm-hmm. the stereo sending the stereo to the room yeah you know saying it's a bad idea but then doing it everybody is acting in ways again that's just in their own best interest it's not really about tony so no. giving gifts in a way where it's not about giving a gift to somebody. It's about doing something that benefits yourself. Yeah. Um, it's also like, it, you know, different people's reactions, right? Or like drawing attention to themselves. Like the whole time we see Janice in this episode, she's like, well, there's that one scene where she's sitting with her child, whatever, mm-hmm. Nika or whatever. Okay, I guess, right. I don't even know. Even Who even is? Who is that? Her child with Bobby. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Um, she's there. Right. But uh, but the other scenes, she's like sobbing and making a scene. Right. And Carmela is actually having to like comfort her. Right. When she comes into the room and stuff. Yeah. There's some interesting camera work on characters. Mm-hmm. There was some spin shots that we've seen with Tony going back as far as college, but they you kind of employ it in different ways. Um, 
there's this spin around AJ that actually is kind of not complete and actually stops behind him mm-hmm. when we see him in the hospital on his head, just kind of from behind. But we see complete 360 spins around Carmella. And we've seen those mm. spins kind of reflecting depth of characters, multiple sides, the two faces, the different sides that maybe we're about to be introduced to. Mm. But we don't fully see it for AJ. Sill actually kind of gets a half spin too when he's talking to all those people at Eugene Pontecorvo's funeral. It kind of is spinning around him and we could almost expect that we would see the other side of his face. It doesn't really quite get mm-hmm. there. But they, they do use that shot on different mm-hmm. characters and they do complete the arc of the camera in different ways. Carmela is kind of one of the only ones though who gets like this full circle around her kind of indicating right. depth. Right. Yeah. Um, then there's Meadow. I mean, she reads a poem. It's beautiful. You didn't and know. that's so like going like again going back to like you know like AJ like I don't know people like being critical of AJ for talking about cars with Tony when mm-hmm. he's in there like who cares what he's talking about right like it's kind of like like what are you what are you supposed to talk well, about right yeah that's true versus what are you supposed versus to talk, yeah. like kind of like getting this kind of contrived like a poem like Tony wouldn't want a poem right. He'd probably rather talk about cars. Probably. And you have a point, but like, AJ is also talking about cars because he wants them to buy him a car, and that's what it's. I don't about. know. I don't know. I mean, it's, I guess so. I guess that would be. I mean, but like, they bought Meadow her car too. Like, right. You know, like, it's, like, it's not really the place for it. It's not I, a great I, well, indicator of character. Like, if it's something he's like passionate about, I don't know. I don't really like fault AJ too much for it. Um, I like the scene about AJ with um, with Rosalie and Carmela. Yeah. Where, you know, she Rosalie's kind of trying to give advice mm-hmm. and Carmela's like You never did anything. Your son's yeah. dead. You didn't, you know. Yeah. Um and she like really calls it out, right? Like he's just being a spoiled brat and he doesn't yeah. care. Yeah. Right? He was never really taught to care. Um or whatever. It's like in his genetics. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but like I don't know. I really hate when people talk about Meadow and AJ as being these like two polar opposites right. where like Meadow's this like wonderful child <laughs> and AJ's this shitty child because like right. I think Meadow's pretty shitty and her it's different like it's yeah well you, like she's the part, become a different person but it's still very problematic yeah like the part where she's on the phone with Finn right, right. who's like clearly going through something with right. his dental school or right. whatever um and she's like I don't know, she's like railing on him for like coming, like paying full fare economy. And, and like also her mom's being interrogated by the FBI at this time. And she's like pouring vodka and then talking to Finn on the phone about like, and like criticizing him for like also needing something. Right. In that time. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, there's, there's definitely kind of like an entitled personality that comes through with Meadow that is kind of exacerbated in the seasons where she gets closer and closer to the family and I think that it kind of develops in a way where we see her more and more reliant on the money that Tony has made through this life and that it it kind of <coughs> weaves her into all of the negative actions more yeah. than at times of the show where she's kind of trying to extricate herself mm-hmm. from it um 
I found some irony in Satrial seeing that they accept food stamps. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't yeah. see that. <laughs> I like that hypocrisy that they could rail on social programs and yet accept food stamps for their food there. Like that. Small detail. Well, they make money off of that. Yeah, they make money. Yeah. Exactly. They're not going to say no. They could scam. They could have a scam running for Maybe they food do. stamps. Maybe they do. They probably do. But I, it, especially with the FBI agents there and them talking to Harris and, mm. and seeing that um, as as Chris is kind of like walking into the building. There's something for me there that ties them to the institution that maybe they wouldn't recognize that like they rail on the institution and they won't give these people anything and they're the enemy and yet they're accepting this government program mm-hmm. um, that they are so critical of with this kind of simplistic conservative value system Mm -hmm. i liked it small small detail but i feel like small details are very intentional in this show i think they are they are so we're happy to be back Mm -hmm. and it's fun to talk about sopranos it is and get in touch if you have anything you want to say to us good or bad if we're mispronouncing any words or towns in new jersey we should know yeah, and also, like, I don't know, like we said, like, for those of you who haven't seen the season before, um, the the things that are brought up in this episode really do continue throughout this season. Um, and so this is kind of just like a first taste of them. Yeah. Uh, we don't want to give any spoilers. No spoilers. So. But thank you for listening. Yeah. We'll be back soon. Yep. See you then. <laughs>